You're listening to the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast, episode 357, brought to you by the Seagate GoFX satellite and iFanboy listeners like you. Come gather around people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone for the times they are achieved. Hey, welcome to the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast, episode 357, Recovery from New York Comic Con edition. <laughs> my that's, name a, is, that's a great title. My name is Ron Richards and I'm exhausted, but I'm with Connor Kilpatrick. You know, that title could be used in a show that only happens once a year, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and, which is fine. It's not a good Josh series. Monaghan. Hi. And Josh Monaghan. Hello. I'm here. We are tired after New York Comic Con, which kicked our ass. It did, didn't it? It really did. Yeah. It really did. It's 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 uh, anyway. Uh, but we are here. We're back here to talk about the comics because that we are a slave to the comics. Uh, we are from a website, ifanboy.com, which is a website all about comics. And every week we read a stack of the books that come out on Wednesday, and one of us writes the pick of the week review, heralding the book that they enjoyed. Um, and then we come back here to talk about that book as well as the other books that came out this week. Uh, Want to warn you quickly: uh, we're going to talk about the what happens in the books, the content, the meat of it. So if you haven't read your books um, and you're new to this uh be warned we might spoil things so there's your generic spoiler warner uh, warning um we take no responsibility for your uh spoilage so sorry I, I, Luke cage quit the avengers yeah what what uh, this week josh had the pick and i gotta say i wasn't surprised were you, were you not surprised i was surprised really right. this was, this was the second book i read i think and then um i was like wow that's a pick no it was a great book i was just surprised that josh picked it that's all i uh I read a lot of books, um, but I read this one first, and I read this one early because it turns out that as uh, before Watchmen Minutemen has has uh, proceeded through its issues, I have liked it more, and I've anticipated it more with every issue. Um, you didn't no, love the first issue. No, I didn't, and I was really looking forward to it, so I, I guess it was maybe even a little disappointing. It was just like, okay, that's fine. It just like the rest of them. Like, I was like, that was the thing that happened, but... Um, we we'd spoken to Darwin uh, in in San Diego, and and he just he said uh, he didn't he didn't necessarily want to do this at first, and then he went away and he got an idea, and and he was like I I had to do it like I just I got an idea that I, I loved it and I, I had to do it, and that that intrigued me something that was so powerful that it, that made him sort of revisit uh, what he was going to do, and then as you get to the end of issue number two, which I remember we read in San Diego, uh, there's a thing that happens. Um, they see something, but they never explain exactly what it is. Um, and it's just got me completely intrigued. And as we keep going further into this, I realize that um, unlike the other before Watchmen movies, which I sort of uh, movies uh, comics, I sort of get the sense of, I, I don't, I don't really need to see this. I don't really feel like this is a thing I need at all. Uh, this one is, is start is really starting to feel like it fits in more for me because the, 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 the early Minutemen figures are so, um, there's not really a lot about them. They just, you just get a couple of words here and there. Um, and, and for whatever reason, this series is, is filling that in for me in a way that actually feels right, feels organic, feels, feels fine. I, I, I like it. Um, and I want to know more about the moth, and I want to know more about the silhouette. And, and I, I think it, the tone in this is very good, and this is um, 
it's just starting to feel you know like a like a good darwin cook comic uh and then as i went back looking at this issue the whole you know through the whole thing trying to figure out what i wanted to say about it uh, i just realized how how much was in it it was it was really covering a lot of ground in terms of characterizations of these characters have been so sort of thinly drawn before um you know we we i I, you know i learned we spent all the time with comedian in the main book and this was this was a, a bit of his story that that sort of fit in really well to describe sort of who he was and also be I don't want to say redeeming but but at least makes him more three-dimensional and the same could be said uh with you know with Sally Jupiter with the Silk Spectre um it just filled in bits of that and I like how that fits in with the, the, the Silk Spectre story that they're telling in the other book um it was just really nice and and as I went through it I just I found myself I'm like I'm I'm just liking this more and more the further I go into it, which is exactly the opposite of what happens with most comics. Um, and it's not it's no it's no small thing. Like the tone is right, the the feel is 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 it feels correct. It feels like a Darwin cookbook, but it also you know feels like it's part of that other world uh, in a way that that doesn't bother my senses. I guess so. You know, all along we've said we're not going to. We're not going to judge these books on anything but their own merits. You know, if they're good, they're good. That's fine. And and most of them, you know, you could take them or leave them. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a, it's just a really good comic. And it's part of a series. Um, it's It sort of has been building up to this being a really good issue. But this is my favorite issue of this series uh, so far. And so... Yeah, like, like, I, like I mentioned, I read this issue. I think it was like the second book I read. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what it was that made it different. Not that the uh, not that the first two issues were less than. Um, this is issue three, right? Yeah, four. no, issue four. Yeah, not the the the, for the previous three issues were less than. But something something was right in this book, and I can't put my finger on it. And like from the opening page with that composition with the repetitive circle design. You know, with the whether it's the audio reel or the burning uh, Nazi single symbol uh, swastika or the manhole cover, and then the sunset. Like I was just like that really struck me. And then you know, even even the you know the the reliance not reliance but the the um, the foundation of the nine panel grid in this issue. Yeah. Um, I thought, like, just from a craft standpoint, this was a r- incredibly strong issue, and just shows how masterful Darwin can be. Um, I will admit that I zoned a little out during the comedian piece, just because there were a lot of words, and it was just like it felt like there was a lot packed into a small kind of space. You know, what's funny um, about that is that was probably my favorite part of it because that was the one that yeah. felt most like Darwin, the way that he wrote like the the surly old uh, captain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I it, love it was that very dialogue. dense. It was it's super dense. Yeah. It, you know, in a world where you've got two, three, four panel pages, you know, that are that's the norm. You know, you, you've got twelve or thirteen panel pages here in a way that doesn't make it feel overwhelming. Yep. Um, it took me a long time to read this issue, more than than most, because there's a lot going on in here. Um, it was really good. I think this is this and Silk Spectre continue to be what's made this whole endeavor worthwhile. Yeah. And it's no, no strange, you know, feat that it's Darwin Cook responsible for both of them. He he keeps ending with somebody looking in a door that they're not supposed to be, and I, <laughs> and, and I just describe nine nine. It's, it's the the mystery of the whole thing is really. I'm like, what does everyone keep seeing? I know exactly. <laughs> and I think about? and I believe like we're predisposed to want to know what's behind a door and don't think we're ever going to get an answer. <laughs> Listen, that's our thing. That's what we stand for. What's behind the door? It's our platform. And I but, think um, that we just think no one's ever going to tell us what's behind that door. So the fact that they might give us an answer really will, will keep my motor revving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what, what I think is just so interesting is just how um, expansive this this single issue was across all of the Minutemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, you you got you, you. I'm loving what he's doing with Hollis Mason with, you know, the, the balancing I, between being a cop and being I a, really like him. 
really like him. And I liked him before, and this doesn't take away from that. It only adds to it. Yeah, and then you know, and then tying into the tying into the um, to the lesbians and and the reaction to that, just adding so much more depth, and just like the fact that he was in love with her, and like and but then you get insight into their love and understanding why why they were together, um, you know, and then like you mentioned the comedian stuff, and we got some more you know Sally Jupiter stuff. I mean, it's just it's it's fascinating. It's just I mean, like I I believe this is enriching the source material in the right way, in the in the in the um, the way it should, you know, the mm-hmm. the way you would hope that these would do and not take away like some of the other ones that, that we're yeah, reading. You know, at the end, somebody's going to look at these someday, you know, somebody's going to read The Watchmen someday and, and they're going to go, oh, is there anything else? Like, ah, oh, there was a bunch of really sort of silly prequels. Oh, but this part's really good. Yeah. Like, this is this this is a good supplement to it. And and th- this is all, we're, you know, we're not discussing the the, the politics or the ethicals, ethics of, of all that other stuff. I'll leave that for other people because I don't really feel like talking it to death anymore. But you know, just as standing on its own as, as, as quality comics, like it's just, it's good. And there's no way around that. Um, yeah. Also the, I mean, the artwork, yes. I thought there was some wonderful panels in here. There's the, when Sally's talking to mm-hmm. um, the, the gravestones and she bites her lip and there's a lot of little, very subtle things that really made the art shine in this issue. There's, there's, it's a lot of, normally headshots are, are, are bad when they're repetitive because there's, the panels are small. There's a lot of talking, but Darwin's faces are so compelling, and then the acting is so strong in it that it doesn't. It makes up for a lot of. Yeah, it's the, the subtle changes in the headshots and the subtle, you know, the angle of the eyes, or like you said, the biting of the lip, and it's just amazing to see what he does so much with so little. I, well, mm-hmm. the, the thing is, uh, normally when I do one of these pick of the week reviews, you know, I'll talk a little bit about the story, and I'll I'll do a little intro, then a little story, then a little the art, and this, and it, I find that with with Darwin Cook's work, it's very difficult to separate the two. Sure. He really yeah. is a writer and an artist, and if you were to ask me which one he's better at, I don't, I wouldn't have an answer for you because it, it's, he is, he's a storyteller. It's all integral, yeah. and, and and I think that we were talking about how dense it is, but you can also look through the book and see where uh, he's varied the pacing that it's not, and the 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 gravestone graveyard scenes are are indicative of that, where it gets down to one or two words per panel, and some some panels have no words in them, you know, and he's letting those moments breathe. And then, you know, when you get into the war zone, there's lots of, there's lots of information and lots of stuff going on. Um, and that's all part of the craft. Um, I, I, got, I do got to admit, I was surprised. I am surprised because I, I wouldn't know when it was on because there was no arrow banner on the cover on the before Watchmen books. And so I was kind of shocked that they didn't do that. I know that you were worried because you, <laughs> I was worried. Had, I just don't know when it's on. Did, did you miss the episode because of that? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, mean, I, I, know. I had all these other comics and they were yeah. telling me, but, well, it's it's funny. I just think it's funny because I, I wonder if old DC, like you know, I mean, like if that's indicative of new DC, like you know, if if two years ago they would have ran that banner on these and everyone would have bitched. And, well, they already have a banner. Yeah, that's I true. Banners, would've, would've yeah. been, lots of well. banners. Just put more banners. Banner. Look, Michael Banner. Banners. Um, now, uh, moving on to a book with the did did have a banner on it, so then I didn't know when to watch the show. Um, Justice League number thirteen, I thought was mm, probably my favorite issue. So far of the series, interesting. I, I think a lot of it has to do with Tony Daniels' art, which I th- which I think has a little more life to it than Jim Lee's. I like Jim Lee's art, but he, it also can be very stiff sometimes and very posy. And I think that Tony Daniels got a li- little more naturalism to to his style, which is which is of course very much rooted in Jim Lee's style. It's a really um, good uh, transition to yeah. go to from this. I like. I don't. I don't feel like the book suffers from it. And I think you're right. I think. I think there's. There is a little more life to it, and also it's not the same. And despite the fact that it's the same inking team, mm-hmm. 
from Detective, it's not the same style yeah. of right. art. It was the detective art was much more Jim Lee, very line heavy, lots of lots of cross hatching and, and thing. This is this is a little bit more painterly. A yeah. lot of that's to do with the coloring, probably from um, Tomu More. But uh, I really liked the look of this book a lot. Yeah, I, I was going to comment on the color. I, I I disagree. I didn't I didn't really like it. Um, but that's just me. I mean, I think it's just an aesthetic standpoint. Um, I I've, you know it had that more painted kind of color look. Um, and I, I do agree that Tony Daniel transition from Jim Lee w- was a nice kind of transition, but I just thought the coloring and just the, the general look wasn't what I would expect from a Justice League book. Like I felt like it was a little too European. It's a little muted. Which I think is yeah, great. It's muted. Yeah, it's yeah, great. yeah. Which I guess yeah. is, which is, which I guess is good when you think about it in terms of, you know, challenging and all that sort of stuff. But what I would expect from Justice League is bright colors and, and all that sort of thing. So yeah, it didn't really click with me, but that, but that's okay. I'm going to say something it. that, that I'm not sure how I feel. I think that Tony Daniel is doing a better new ugly Superman costume than most of the others. Interesting. Like it looks, it looks okay in this. Did you read this? Yes, I did. Wow. I did. I'm not going to keep reading it. It was really (laughs) kind of like, it was like a really sullen issue. Yeah. Yeah, It was kind of mopey and dumpy. And was this a continuation of what had been going on before? Well, they kissed before. The cheetah thing yeah, is completely uh, new. Okay, the cheetah thing is totally new. Now, that's a really yeah. good example of, um, we talked about it last week with, with Uncanny Avengers, just start the story. Yeah. And it, like, I was like, start oh. in the middle. I felt like, oh, maybe I missed something. I'm in late, but leave I early. I didn't care. And, and I think. Also, the, yeah, also the, the backup story, which wasn't Shazam, um, which is leading into the New Justice League book, I really liked because I liked the Green Arrow in this a lot. And mm-hmm. there isn't really a Green Arrow to like in comics right now. Yep. Yeah, he was. I, I noticed that that he was a little closer to the mark. <laughs> <laughs> Red Walker also did the backup, which looked really good. Yeah, he's he's uh, coming up. I just really, I thought complete package wise, I thought there was great character stuff in the in the issue. It was a little sullen, but I didn't mind that necessarily. I think a lot of the characters are in a sullen place at the moment. Why is Why is Steve um, Trevor so sad all the time? Because Wonder Woman dumped him. I know, and then <laughs> happened publicly, and everybody makes fun of him on TMZ and everywhere. That is great. Yeah. <laughs> that that is wonderful. Um, he got fired from his job. The only the only if I had any complaint, I would say that boy, they really made Cheetah quite powerful. Yeah, I mean, she well, really. They made she, yeah, they did. Yeah, well, they got amped her up. Yeah. Is she magic? So. I guess she's magic. So that's she's the magic. Point. Yeah. yeah, that's how oh. she bit Superman. There you yeah. go. It was, it was okay. It was fine. I really like this. Um, I'm looking forward to ho- for, to Ivan Reese though. Mm-hmm. Much as I like the art. Yeah. Now, um, Josh. Yeah. Uh, Hawkeye number three. That was a comic book. You didn't like it? <laughs> it was it was fine. I liked the way it looked. I was uh, unhappy about the return of... My favorite of, one. My favorite the, one by far. The return of so many bros. A lot more yeah. bros. Yeah, I didn't laugh because I felt like he's embracing the joke at this point. Maybe. I just didn't think it was funny in the first place. And maybe if they keep doing it long enough, I will think it's funny again. Um, I, I liked it. It was fine, but I also liked... Uh, there was... There wasn't anything here that I didn't get in the last one. Yeah, th- th- this is this is the first issue of the three that I didn't love. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was beautiful. I thought Aja continues to own and Absolutely. it's amazing. And and once it got into the car chase and once it got into the use of the arrows, I kind of like that. But there was something about this where I'm like, this is just more of the same. Like I didn't really feel as if it didn't it didn't it hasn't progressed. 
um, you know, uh, uh, from a series standpoint. You know, like, uh, well, we're was, talking about a book that's a series of one shots, so it's not going to follow the same trajectory. And that's fine. Sure, yeah, uh, yeah. W- w- the thing that was supposed to be interesting about it was his like, these are the nine horrible things I did today. And it was a nice structure and it was a fun structure, but um, it whipped through it so quickly, exactly like it happened last time. Uh, I just didn't quite. I, I don't know. It, it didn't. It didn't really suck me in. Other than other than other than like it looked really good. Um, yeah. I didn't. I did not like it. That's. I, I don't want to say that because I just. I. I didn't have anything more to say. It wasn't a pick of the week. I didn't. I didn't have anything more to say about that. I wouldn't have said before that hasn't been done again. Yeah. Um, See, I think. I think the freewheeling nature of it really lent itself to the story. I think that the fact that it moved quickly was because the whole thing took place in fast cars mm-hmm. and. Yeah. I did. I did absolutely love that. It was a. It was a car chase issue. That is a ton of fun. So I think that good looking car chase issue. Move fast. Yeah. I think. I think. I just think it was funny. I thought the characterizations were great between and the the relationship between Hawkeye and Kate Bishop or Hawkeye and Hawkeye or whatever you want to call it. I like the fact that he still is wearing the costume. Yeah. Uh, Three issues. We've only seen one really one one sequence in the very beginning of the first issue where he's been wearing the costume. Well, yeah, and, and, and the, the thing with Kate Bishop, I think it, that's a character who I've read all through Young Avengers who just really has never been – has has any depth or any interest to her at all. Um, she's just been somebody there and, and you know, she took on the Hawkeye mantle and then dealt with all the heavy stuff that the Young Avengers felt with. Like, so it's great to see her kind of like shining in this and like actually – and I agree. It was funny. There was the, the exchange like when he got – when she picked him up in the Volkswagen bug and like that was – that was a funny exchange and it was it was really good and – um yeah, but there was just something about something about it that didn't have me for, as jazzed. I, as I the really first think issue. that I like the bro guys. Like, I just think yeah. it's not funny. Yeah, and it kept going, and they were pretty much, you know, they were the threat. We don't really know what it is. Um, yeah. And I, by the way, uh, Matt Hollingsworth, it needs to get yeah. as much or more credit than anybody else working on this. It's such a yeah, it's great stunning. looking book. I, I will also give them a ton of credit. Um, and Fraction was patting himself on the back on Twitter all day when, on Wednesday when this came out, but he deserves it for the uh, Hawkeye head covering Hawkeye's yes. crotch. That that that, was, that got that got me. That was that was really <laughs> wonderful. I will, that I will was absolutely really, that give was, you that. <laughs> I think I think the bro thing and the Mini Coopers and the numbers. I think it sort of harkens back to a sort of goofy '60s sensibility, which yeah, I do yeah. quite enjoy. Yeah, I get that. Um, and I think the fact that Hawkeye mocks them with the bro is funny mm-hmm. because yeah. I think I think the acknowledgement is that they're annoying, but not, they're purposely annoying. Mm-hmm. So when he shot them with the silly putty arrow and he yelled "silly putty arrow, bro," yeah, that made me laugh because you know he's I get I so. I get that. I'm sure there are lots of people out there thinking that's funny and enjoying it. Yeah. But everybody's got their thing. And that is not mine, bro. But yeah, no, but I, I, I did enjoy it. I just didn't love it as much as I love the previous ones. But yeah, so um, I got to admit, now that I'm on Walking Dead and Issues, mm-hmm. um, I'm hooked. It's great in Issues, isn't it? It's great in Issues. Yeah. It's like the, 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 this, the, the, slow, the progression of where I went from those fucking hardcovers. My fault. Which, yeah, which, by the way, I just got volume eight. <laughs> but um, uh, to now to go into the to the issues where I'm like, I finished this. I'm like, where's the next one? Yeah, no, it's but, awful, but yeah. also great. Yeah. Um, Nagan has a a real possibility of being worn too thin, but for whatever reason, I think that his strange personality works really well in contrast to that of Rick. Yes. Um, and this was so friggin' tense the whole way through, and you're just like, he's Rick's not gonna take this shit anymore. He's he's not gonna take it. He's taking it, and he's like, I have a plan, and you're like, I don't know if he does. Um, I just I, this was almost pick of the week. I almost wrote this one up as pick of the week, and it was just really tense and uh, really well uh, paced, and uh, it, it was good. And I don't know what's gonna happen. And I I love the um, the switching 
of, of the status that's going on here. I almost wish that we didn't know. Uh, we didn't know that he has his secret plan. Well, but we also don't know what that secret plan is. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I so. mean he's going. He's going to team with him and become a salacious crumb like character figure. <laughs> um, <laughs> he has awesome. a, salacious crumb has not made the show in a while. Yeah, he has not. So. It's been a while since salacious crumb. Yeah. Um, I, I just think, yeah, I just think the the level of drama and the, the like you said the tension I think is great. And there's also like a little hint of somebody you know like this dude with the mask, the the parkour guy. Um, you know, like I just, I, I it, it's funny going from hardcovers to issues where now the, um, it really is no difference. Cause I'd read the hardcover. I'd be like, where's the next one? It's just in a longer, I get a longer chunk out of it. Um, but yeah, this is, I mean, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed reading it and I, lo- and I love this threat as uh, Negan as his threat and what, what will come of it, um, and how they're going to get out of it. I think it's different, unique from any other threat that they've dealt with. Um, and it's just, it's just interesting to see how everybody else interacting and Carl and all that, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm down. I'm cool. So Carl and his giant man sized balls. <laughs> that I, I like that anyway. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Avengers Assemble number eight wrapped up and and pretty much finished uh, the prologue uh, leading into Bendis' Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and the reason why I wanted to kind of discuss it was because not so much that this was so great. I don't think this this story was the the greatest work Bendis or Bagley have ever done. You know, um, it was a little a little chaotic, a little all over the place, a little you know like whatever. Um, but it just I just you know f- find it interesting that they just basically didn't answer any of the questions I had going into it, <laughs> which was how did St- how would Star Lord get out of the Cancerverse? And like they actually went into the Cancerverse, and Star Lord's like, I was here once, and they're like, how'd you get out? And he just like looked. It was just a glare, and then they moved on. I was like, oh come on. You know, and I know Bend- they'll probably get Bendis in know. 2012 is not answering any more questions. No, he is not. That is basically <laughs> not answering any more questions, any questions at all. Um, but I will admit that it's got me very um, intrigued about what's to come in, in the new Guardians of the Galaxy series. And like you see planted the seeds of Tony joining the team, um, although that was a little tongue in cheek because, um, uh, you know, as they're as they're saying goodbye and wrapping up. um you know, um, Tony says, you know, I envy the hell out of you guys. Uncharted worlds, undiscovered sciences, green ladies. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, okay, I get it, Star Trek. You know, and then Star Lord says, you should come with us. You really should. And then there's just the shot of the eye. And so you know it's coming, you know, like we, from what we've seen in the Gardens of the are Galaxy they, are they teaser writing, stuff. Is he writing him like Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, everybody is. Okay, because I read, uh, no, we're not on the list, but uh, Ultimate Iron Man number one for the ninth yeah. time in my life. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was just. It was just straight up Robert Downey well, Jr. Well, especially the Ultimate books. I mean, that's really oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was like, oh, you're just you're just doing that, which is fine. I just was curious. I was going on the regular one. But um, if I had to compare this to Abnett Landing, I still would prefer Abnett Landing. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So are they taking Tony off the board in, on, in terms of Earth? I don't know. We're gonna find out because we because you know because you know Kieran Gillen is doing the Iron Man book and and so but Iron Man's gonna be in Guardians of the Galaxy. So I don't I don't know how that's gonna work. I guess we're just gonna, in time's gonna tell. You know, we'll have to find out. But uh, yeah, just it. I don't know. It'll be interesting. It's weird. Yeah. Well, they don't care about that stuff anymore. <laughs> I mean, they don't. They don't. I mean, they don't care. That's true. They don't. That's fine. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah, whatever. I mean, it was fine. It was a it was a fine story. I don't think I don't think it. I don't think I would. I don't think this is the trade paperback I give to somebody who just saw the Avengers on DVD and wants more. Is that's what it was supposed to be though? That's what it was billed as originally. Then it turned into how are we going to work the Guardians of the Galaxy back into the universe? You know why? Really, what it was. Well, no one will buy it otherwise. Yep, exactly. Well, it's funny is that, like, is Iron Man that strong of a character in the comic book world that people are going to follow him to that book? I don't know if he is. 
Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, they'd, they'd follow Robert Downey Jr. doing that, but I don't feel yeah. like... This is laying the groundwork for the movie. So, I mean, like, that's, you know, so it's going to be interesting. You know, it's going to be... Is that necessary at all? What, laying groundwork in the comics? Of course yeah. it is. Right. The Wolverine origin problem. Yeah, they, they want to own it before the movies own it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have to... That's, they have yeah. to. What they have to do is they have to take the forefront on the jacket. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or, and, and, or whatever it is, that, whatever it is the Tony's jacket is. Yeah. That jacket showed up in... Was it Hawkeye? I think so. Yes, the chick was the chick was wearing the jacket. Yeah, I feel like yeah, the, I was. feel like I feel like Logan used to own that car. <laughs> it's Logan's car. That's what it is. She found the jacket in the trunk. That's where it's been the whole time in the trunk. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, hours he had it parked in a garage. So oh. I can't say so. What so the new team on uh, Kelly DeConnick and somebody else are coming onto this title, and I can't say that I'm going to stick with it because I just don't. I just don't get where where it matters. You know. So, to you. To me. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. If the story's not compelling, that's the most important thing. If you're exactly. not bored of it, then. Well, yeah, but for me, well, no, but for me, the story's got to be compelling. It's got to be a good story. But then also, when it's in the Marvel Universe, where does it fit in? You know what I mean? Like, for example, Space. for example, like I have stacks. <laughs> that's Final Frontier, from what I understand. Stack, no, no, I'm talking about Avengers Assemble. I'm not talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know, like I have stacks of unread X Men Legacy books over the past couple of months because ultimately that book didn't really matter in the canon of X Men as I define it, you know? So, but you still uh, bought them. Well, I'm going to read them eventually. It's just they weren't like there was no urgency around them. So, well, all right. Yeah, you're that well, guy. Well, if, if you had them, if you had them digitally, you could put them on your Seagate GoFlex satellite and then take them wherever you wanted. Could I? Then they wouldn't be they wouldn't be st- stacks of them all over your house. Oh, I don't know about the Marvel. Anyway, go on. <laughs> the Seaflex GoFlex satellite, Seagate GoFlex satellite, is the only wireless portable hard drive that streams content to your iPad and up to eight other devices. With a 500 gigabyte hard drive, Wi-Fi access, and a rechargeable battery, the satellite can carry your entire library of video, music, pictures, documents, X-Men legacy books, whatever you want to be shared in your iPad or Android tablet via the free GoFlex media app or via a web browser. You can get 10% off uh, C-Flex GoFlex satellite by going to seagate.com slash ifanboy. And thank you for sponsoring this show and, and the New York Comic Con. Now, you guys uh, didn't see what was on my GoFlex satellite, right? This German you didn't, industrial, you didn't, but no, like, you you weren't you didn't check it out, right? I didn't go deep. Okay, in that, no, that's so cool. Like, that's all right. That's fine. Let's move on. Just a bunch of German titles. I, I you didn't know what? Go. Forget it. I didn't even mean to ask a question. Um. So Marvel <laughs> Now point one came out. That is the worst title that has ever been on a comic book ever. They fucking did it to me again. <laughs> At this point, you've no one to blame but yourself. None. Five ninety nine. And it's kind of like, and listen, I know I don't work in publishing. I know I've never worked at a comic book company or like that. But I got who are the ad wizards that think of that put together these kind of books where I get what they're trying to do. They're giving you a taste of the, the titles. And in this one, we got a taste of um, Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, which is not the Nick Fury we know. It's the the new Nick Fury, the movie Nick, Nick Fury, Fury Jr. Nick Fury Jr. Um, Gardens of the Galaxy, uh, Nova. Uh, Young Avengers, um, the the FF book that uh, that Fraction and All Red are doing, um, and the uh, the Cable and the X Men book that Dennis Hopeless is writing. So we got a little taste of that, and that was great. Don't get me wrong; like the Young Avengers sequence with uh, McKelvey and Mike Norton looked amazing, and like has me really excited for Young Avengers now. Um, even more so than my my normal McKelvey bias. Like this looked really good. Um, he posted a photo on Instagram. It looked great. Yeah, it looked great. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy was interesting to see McNiven again, and and kind of has me curious about that. Got a, a, a more of a taste of Nova by Loeb and McGinnis, and that sort of thing. But from a reading standpoint, like no title card, 
no intro. Like literally you got like three or four pages. You got three pages of this Nick Fury, which is the framing sequence. And you turn the page and the art changes to McNiven with no with no cutaway, no any sort of acknowledgement of it. And there's a couple stories of McNiven, you know, kind of telling the Star Lord origin, which I, I suppose they're gonna that's what they're gonna get into um, in Guardians of the Galaxy. And then you turn the page and then it's McGinnis with Nova. Like literally with no no, no any sort of transition or anything like that. It was the most disconcerting, disjointed reading experience I've ever had. And there's fifty thousand people willing to pay for it. And yeah. that's who the ad wizards are. They're the ones who figured out that you'll buy it no matter how often you complain about and it. And you yeah. did. You'll buy the next one too. Marvel later. That, and I will be honest that that the fact that the the first real kind of Nova story we see from Logan McGinnis included Diamond Head as the villain, I was like, all right, cool. They're co- he's coming at it from a pure place, so I'm 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 on board. <laughs> As opposed to the dirty Nova spot. Okay, I'm going to read a title now, and by the time I'm done with it, the show may be over. Mm -hmm. Billy the Kid's old-timey oddities in the Orm of Loch Ness number one. Too bad. That's not as bad as some of those. It uh, it wasn't as bad as writing it out. I'll give you that. Okay. Now, you may remember I liked both of the Billy the the Kid's old-timey oddities that had come up before. I think there's been two or three miniseries so far uh, by Eric Powell and uh, Kyle Hotz. Yeah. yeah, this one they it's Loch Ness, uh, and I'm gonna spoil this by the way. So, yep. for those of you listening at home, be prepared for that. Uh, and then on the last page, it's fucking Dracula, and I'm not reading it anymore. <laughs> why do you Why do you hate vampires? I'm sick of it. It's just so why like you, why we we've had a discussion before. How many vampire books are you are you reading? At this point, I feel like I I don't know if this is accurate, but I think it's a hundred. You're not. You're not even. You're not even reading five. I just don't want to read another take on Dracula. And it's like classic Dracula that I just, it's not. In Josh's yeah. defense, there were a lot of vampires this week. I, I had noticed that as well. And, and but some, there are way more superheroes. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a silly thing to complain about. I'm not reading a lot of them either. <laughs> <laughs> well, then what do you want to read? Listen, I'm just saying if I'm going in for the, if I, I don't want the surprise vampire. I thought, oh, I'm going to get a Loch Ness story. Oh, it's about Dracula. I just read Dracula. I just finished reading the Dracula story in American Vampire. And I feel like he was in something else, but maybe that was a post on our site. I don't know. It was a Tomb of Dracula post on our site, but there really isn't a lot of vampires out there. I don't want any more vampires. Yeah. I was suckered in. I was suckered in. God damn it. And then there was a vampire in Chew, but it wasn't a real vampire. A lot of vampires, yeah, so... Anyway, were there any vampires in Dark Avengers? Hmm. There might have been. I don't think there was, though. There could be, though. Like, there could easily be uh, Morbius or somebody, I think. He'll be in the next team. Here's the funny thing about this. So they, they switch uh, Thunderbolts over to Dark Avengers. Uh, and then they have basically what's two stories going on. And then the end of this story, uh, the original Thunderbolts kick the shit out of the new Dark Avengers, and apparently that team's all done. Next arc, conclusion. So we're back to the original. I guess I don't. I really hated that new that Dark Avengers team. That's what I learned. Like I didn't. I just didn't care what happened to them. And every time they switched to the guys that we did like, people that we've been following, the people with the the connections uh, to the old sort of original Thunderbolts, um, I was down with that. But by the end of this, I was like, okay, just let's let's stop this. It's fine. And 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 you know, I was I was talking to people like the Dark Avengers did a lot better than Thunderbolts did just because it had that name in it. And 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 that's why they did it. I know that. I absolutely know why. But it's it's wrong. Because uh, Thunderbolts yeah. was really good, and they 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 changed it, um, but it was really good for quite a while, and those issues are still out there. So so they're definitely worth reading. 
Uh, New Avengers 31, which is the final arc of Bendis' run on New Avengers, even though I think the story really ended in the last volume. That was really the, the, the place to end the story. But this was notable because it featured art by Michael Gatos. Yep. So it was the um, alias team doing the story of Luke and Jessica trying to quit the Avengers and go be a family and not worry about all the superheroics but uh, now was this is this a one-off on Gatus? is he going to be on it for this arc no idea because i think this is if, if the if the conclusion of new avengers is luke and jessica it makes perfect sense for Gatus to be the artist on it and I'm, yes i agree got him um i thought it, w- it was a little rougher Gatus than than i remember um but mm-hmm. i still totally enjoyed it um yeah i thought it was a little rough um his if thing you look was, at alias it's pretty rough yeah it's, i mean that's what i was saying his style's always been pretty rough if you go back yeah. and look at it really but um i love the doctor strange Iron Fist scene, the yes. Medicine. yes, that was it was great. Yeah, no, this was fun. I mean, I, I, like last time we talked about Avengers and how it was also the final arc, and we're, we're past AVX now, and it's actually just nice to be able to spend time with these characters, not caught up in a giant story. So this was fun in the same way. Yep. Um, even though I think the final issue of the last arc was probably the way that it should have been. How many Avengers books is Bendis ending right now? Is it more than three, or is it just three? Uh, Avengers Assemble, Avengers New Avengers. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of Avengers books to be ending. And I feel like we've been talking about it for like eight months. Yeah. It's well, so we have the solicits ahead of time, that's why. Uh, sort of sorcery number one well, continues to be lots of fun, like the Zero Issue. This is very much a fantasy Demon Knights, Game of Thrones-esque t- t- tone that I really enjoy that you don't really get in other comics. But the thing that was interesting to me was the Beowulf backup story. Did anybody else read this? I, 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 was, I was going to. Okay, so Beowulf, we, we know from issue zero, the, Beowulf, the backup story in this issue is Beowulf, and it's this Beowulf story. Uh, the, the, the kids bringing Beowulf back to, to the, um, the village to protect him from Grendel. And uh, Beowulf's abilities here, he's stronger, faster than everybody else, and he's also able to look at enemies and see the, have secret knowledge of them. So he, they get attacked by these iron giants. They're going through the iron giant territory. There's, there are these giant robots. And he looks at them, and it says, Wayne Tech... W34 Hunter Killer. So somehow, this Beowulf story is somehow related to the DCU. Now, when you, sure say secret, when you say secret knowledge, can he see what's on my Seagate uh, go for satellite? If he looks at your Seagate, he might be able to see in, into the file names. I, I think I got I I to clean that thing off. So the question now is how is Beowulf, this traditional Beowulf story? Is it way in the future? And this is old Wayne tech that, that's been used to create these Iron Giants, or is this some other weird thing going on? But it, was, it made me raise my eyebrows. So I really enjoy Otherwise, it's still a great. If you like Zero, you'll like one as well. Ultimate Spider-Man 16. Very jarring transition at the end. Anyone else feel like that happened? Uh, I feel like it happened really fast, but I felt like it was okay because it needed to happen. I know what you're saying, and I don't disagree necessarily, but I don't think it bothered me. The final page? Uh Oh, oh. I'm not talking about him joining the Avengers. I'm talking about how they fight these guys. They fight Hydra. They're sort of decompressing and turn the page and, and Captain America has been elected president. Well, that was exactly the scene from from Ultimate Avengers 15. Right. Like exactly that page. So, so I was guess he elected president during the fight? Yeah, th- I mean, this is this is the this is what happens when you have an event, and that basically that's what's happening in Ultimate Avengers, and now we're seeing it from Spider-Man's point of view. But he was fighting during the fight. So when was he actually elected president? That's literally it was he was elected a president during the fight. You're not reading Avengers. I feel like, or, no, I feel like you want to have a discussion with somebody before he just walks to a podium and says, "Okay, I'm the president." No, no, he, no, act, no, he, was, he acts he was fast. 
He was. It happened that, that literally that fast. It's crazy. It's bad. What I'm saying is, I feel like Captain America would be like, "Hold on, let's talk about this." Before he announces it to the world, he's the president. He no, no. That's what I'm saying. That's he's, a man of, he's a man drawing. of action. I'm looking in the issue. Talk amongst <laughs> yourselves. I just feel I, like that's why it was drawing. That's all. I feel like he'd, he'd go, "Wait a second, hold on. How did yeah. this happen?" That's. I think that's a greater issue than what happened in this book. In the book, <laughs> in the book, what happens is he's, he's off fighting somebody in, in the Ultimates, and somebody says, "You have a phone call." No, no. He's standing near a payphone, and the payphone starts to. By the way, there's payphones. Uh, starts to <laughs> ring, and Captain America goes over and picks up the phone. He says, "Hello," and it's it's Carol Danvers, and she's like, "You've just been elected president." Now that's the end. And of, she, he just trusts her. What if I called you and said, "Josh, you're not going to believe this, but you've been elected president." She's got. Would she's you then got, call a press conference? She's got a lot of clout in the industry. So now I'm I'm going through number sixteen, which is the next one where he he gave that little speech, which I think is at the beginning of it. Wait, hang on. This device is slow. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't fit. No, that's not what happens because. Well, there's another issue of of uh, oh, Ultimates. Wait, so to it come does. Out. No, it does because the first page of Ultimates number. Um, Seventeen. Sixteen. They're outside of the Triskelion, and and they're just giving. They're but they're giving a speech at the podium with all the reporters there. Now, theoretically, it could be directly in the aftermath of this giant battle, and the reporters were like, "Oh, we're just here for a press conference." It's it's a it's a little scurrilous. I'll, I'll give you that, but so, it's not anyway. it's not it's not it doesn't not work. It only doesn't work if you feel like he doesn't question the fact that someone just told him he's been he's now the president of the United States, and he. But he's not. Well, you gotta understand no, no, the world's been at war. The country's been divided. He he realized that he, he needs he, to. He yeah. knew that. No, he yeah. he'd already known that because he picked up the payphone call and then he flew back to the Triskelion. It's payphone. just that between <laughs> the payphone between the, the uh, Ultimates fifteen and sixteen, he took down a he big Hydra Legion with Spider Man. Yeah, and then and the then weather cleared up instantly. <laughs> and it got light out. <laughs> it did. <laughs> anyway, all right. But I, right, so, I, I like it though. <laughs> but yeah, I like it too. I think it's fun. I, th- I think it's what Ultimate should be. I think the Ultimate should be crazy and fun like that. So, um, so those are the books that came out this week that we enjoyed. You enjoyed a lot of comics as well. If you go to ifanboy.com/comics, you can do your pull list and come back and rate them and make your picks of the week. And we want to highlight the top five picks of the week from the iFanboy community. And coming in at number five was Daredevil number nineteen with two point five percent of the picks of the week. Um, number four was The Walking Dead, number 103, with 3.2%. Uh, number three was Batwoman, number 13, with 4.3%. Uh, number two was Josh's Pick of the Week with Before Watchmen, Minutemen, number four, with 4.7%. And the overwhelming majority at the time of our recording, which admittedly is, is early after early return, so this might be different by the time the show gets published. Um, but as of now, it's Hawkeye, number three, with 70.7% of the Picks of the Week. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's going to lose its positioning. That number could yeah. change, but uh, that's going to be solid. the number one. Yeah, it looks like it looks like Hawkeye's stro- quickly uh, getting a strong fan base. We'll see if it translates to sales. You know what's awesome is that this Hawkeye book is, seems to be doing very well. People are very happy with it, and it has nothing to do with movie Hawkeye. Yep, because yeah. movie Hawkeye was dumb. Yep. Well, he's boring. When you say it's doing very well. I mean, the people on our website like it. Yes. Okay, that's good. So I have no idea how well it's selling. It's not. That doesn't surprise me. It's not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> By the way, this is my comment on that is <sighs> fine. Anyway. All right. So on to the user reviews. Man Without Beer reviewed the Zosser of Zilk. Or there might be extra Z in this. The there, Zosser there's. of Silk. It should be Zilk. I, I wrote it. Is it? Yeah, it's Zilk. It is Zilk. 
I just the saucer my, of zilk. I, I I couldn't type it that way. Apparently, my body was like, no. Give zilk. the story a four out of five, and the art of five out of five, and zero point four percent of the fan base made the saucer of zilk number number one the pick of the week. And man without beer says. If a sentient packet of Frank Zappa brand Skittles decided to take copious amounts of LSD and shrooms and proceeded to write a comic book in a written tradition of a British Stan Lee, the Zosser of Zilk would be the outcome. With poetic psychobabble as text, think less meaning than the most abstract Morrison ideas, this story tells of an ordinary man living in a dark and gloomy world who rediscovers his true self in another, another dimension. If you've seen anything by Brandon McCarthy, you already know that his art is the closest thing to literal eye candy. You also know that he is the definition of psychedelic comic booking. If you haven't seen anything by him, you deserve to see what else a comic book can be. Although I'll try Spider-Man Fever before this. I can already tell that book is better than this book will be. He liked it. That's all. Ron, you read this. This is awesome. I, yeah, I was, I, was, I was so excited to see somebody also enjoy it. I mean, this is, this is kind of in part of IDW's partnership with 2000 AD. Um, so this oh, is uh, yeah, and I believe this is a this is I think this is a reprint from 2000 AD. Um, but Brandon McCarthy is just like fucking out there and awesome. Um, and so yeah, this is this is great. It's, if you if you want to look for something that is uh, mind blowing and just completely out there, then pick this up um, and get a sense of what um, has been going on over in 2000 AD for the better part of you know 20 30 years now. So cool. Next up, uh, GS. Uh, uh, wrote a review on Cyberforce number one. Uh, the story gave the story a four out of five and gave the art a five out of five. Pick of the week percentage at this time is one tenth of one percent. And he says, it is a fantastic introduction of these characters to new readers. I was not a fan of prior incarnations of Cyberforce. This new incarnation of the Cyberforce world is rich with possibility and beautifully illustrated by Koi Fam and Sal Regla. Matt Hawkins, the writer of Think Tank, team with the Image co-founder Mark Silvestri to pen an exciting book that was most importantly free. The decision by Top Cow and retailers to provide this book to customers for free may revolutionize the way new titles are introduced to fans. Even more shockingly, the remainder of the first arc will also be free to customers this is a this is a revolutionary move by top count and a fantastic way to encourage readers who exclusively read books generated by the big two to pick up independent titles if you are one of those buyers please take the opportunity to read this arc and i'm confident that you will be pleasantly surprised that's one it's not gonna revolutionize the world Uh, yeah i I, I gotta say he's he's extremely bullish on this let's let's (laughs) let's fill in the the, how this works uh ron you can Okay, so so basically they did a Kickstarter to fund the production of the first five issues, um, and the idea being that the Kickstarter people who helped it uh, would not only get the book, but then also the book would be free in stores with an asterisk because the retailers actually do have to pay a small amount for it, and therefore some retailers were charging for this. I saw it being sold for a dollar and things like that. Um, uh, 25 cents. 25 cents, yeah, basically to recruit. Some didn't carry it at all. Yeah, some didn't carry it at all. Um, uh, some stores just gave it away for free, as was the plan. My store, um, my store tried to give it to me. I said I'm good. It, <laughs> um, I can't say that I enjoyed it as much as GS did, unfortunately. Um, and part of it is because I, like, I love Cyberforce. Back twenty years ago, when it came out, I thought it was awesome. When I was fourteen, it was one of my favorite image books. Oh, it was great, right? Yeah. It was so yeah. good. And um, I, I'm not a big Koi fan. Fan. Um, uh, from what I can tell of where the Top Cow universe has gone, I'm not a huge fan of, of the direction it's gone in. Um, but, uh, you know, I read it. It was all right. But it, this isn't the Cyberforce that I was hoping for, basically. Um, this is not my Cyberforce. This is not my Cyberforce, which I get, which I understand. Um, um, and I just laughed because in the back, they had, and this, is, this is just petty, but they had a couple pages dedicated to thanking the Kickstarter um, funders, um, but they didn't alphabetize it. 
<laughs> so it's just it's just literally four pages of very small print names not organized in any other way. So literally, like if I feel like like if you contributed this, you want to find your name, you're spending a while just reading through every name. <laughs> it's like, it's no, no rhyme or reason to this at all. If there was only some way to alphabetize. Yeah, if only there was some way to, if there's some program that you could import data and sort it. <laughs> That's but, crazy, Ron. Why would they do that? Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's the thing that you picked up on. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. love it. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, no. But it, I mean, it was all right. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't fantastic. I was a little uh, disappointed. Did it so. cost you anything? Didn't cost me anything. Yeah, that's for sure. I actually don't know. I don't know if my. I don't know if my retailer was giving it away or not. And at the point where you charge a quarter, you really. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. That's come fine. on. Um, <laughs> but what sucks is that is that they did show. Um, they showed pencils, which I believe are Silvestri pencils. And I'm like, I want that. There are two pages of Silvestri pencils. And I was like, oh, come on, man. Um, so You didn't get it. Yeah. yeah no, kinda. didn't get it. Koi fam. Uh, what are you going to do? So that is, uh, that's all the comics of the week. There's obviously, there was a lot of them this week. Um, and so if you want to uh, have your reviews read, uh, you can make sure you go to ifmr.com uh, slash comics and pull your comics. But then uh, you can write reviews there. And we, we check them out before we do the show. Um, so thank you for that. And now, yeah. and now, uh, why do I always have to do book of the month at the same time I have pick of the week? I feel like that's that's a thing that happens. That's how it goes. That's how it rolls. So uh, anybody who listens know that book of the month is the most terrifying thing that happens to each of us every three months as we try to think, uh, what are we going to talk about that matters that I have something to say about? And then in the mail, I got a box, and within the box was a box, and within that box was. I believe it's 14 different little comics uh, in various formats and sizes and shapes. Uh, a couple of hardcover volumes, like a kid's book, and then some pamphlets, a couple of newspaper size, sort of Wednesday comic size things. Um, and this is Chris Ware's Building Stories. Um, Chris Ware is uh, as lauded a cartoonist graphic novelist as we have today. His stuff appears in magazines that are much smarter than what I usually read. And... Um, I've read some Chris Ware in the past. I've mostly, I, I, I'm sure I've read other stuff, but I think I've just read uh, Jimmy Corrigan's Smartest Kid on Earth, um, and I have it, and and I I liked it, but I tried reading it again sometime, and I was like, whew, that's dense. It's also very sad and maudlin, um, and that's a thing that I think people associate with Chris Ware, um, and this certainly has its its fair of that. Um, what this is is all of those fourteen stories can be read. Um, Basically in any order. I, I dumped the whole thing out and I just sort of started picking up stuff. And once I got my hands into it, my first instinct was, oh, this is annoying. But as I kept going, I found myself entirely uh, sucked in by these characters. Uh, the basic premise is that there is a building in Chicago. It's got three floors and there are three families who live on those floors or three uh, occupants. Uh, and you sort of follow uh, one of the girls who lives there. Um, through different stages of her life uh, as viewed through the building. And sometimes the building talks. Uh, there's one of the stories that is uh, narrated by the bees who live in front of the building. Bees. Um, but but mostly it's a very human story. Um, and I, I enjoyed it immensely. And the more I kept going, the more I liked it. Um, it's, it's very adult. It deals with sort of, uh, the relationship problems of people, uh, in, in their early lives and then, and then later on and, and 
sort of the, the cycle of human life. Um, it's 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 got a lot of the stuff that made me really like Alex Robinson's work uh, early on, which is just sort of these are people in the raw. You know, like if like they're not gorgeous, beautiful people. Sometimes they're naked, sometimes they're not. But it's not, you know, it's not like super sexy time. It's just sort of the reality of the thing. This felt the most voyeuristic of, of a lot of things that I, I felt at times I'm like, I shouldn't be watching this. Like I shouldn't be in this room listening to these people talk. Um, do you have, is, is there model in nature still there from the, the Jimmy Corrigan? Less so. I think uh, for one thing, Jimmy Corrigan as a main character was really tough to get into because he was sort of developmentally stunted and he didn't say anything and he would just sort of go, eh. you know, there were a lot of, a lot of panels where he, he didn't say anything. And these people were a little more grown up, a little more relatable. And because of that, I, I you know came to like them. I, I realized as I was writing this review and as I was reading through it, I don't know if they ever say the girl's name. Uh, and that might be calculated. I looked around and I couldn't find it. But, you know, it, it sort of goes through her life. And she wanted to be an artist. And she went to art school. And that all sort of falls apart. And she just sort of lives, you know, a life, uh, you know, that isn't really what she planned. But that's sort of what happens. And, it's the you story know, of most people. Exactly. And, you, you know, yeah. you, you try to find love. And you, you try to make your life work for something. And, you know, she's, she gains weight. And she's not happy about that. And it, it's incredibly slice of life. What, uh, what superpower does she gain? She has no superpowers. Uh, she does have one leg. Is she a vampire? One leg. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's, it's really interesting, I thought, as a choice to make her have one leg. And they they don't really focus on it very often because she's got a prosthetic. And But sometimes they just mention it, that it goes along with the course of her life, which I, th- I thought was a really nice thing as opposed to making it be about this girl with one leg. But that's just, you know, that's her thing. Um, Is she the drummer for Def Leppard? She, no, that he's, that's awful. I think that's awful. It's funny. Don't get me wrong. Um, kind of awful. Yeah, no, it is. Why is it awful? I'm not even sure why. <laughs> what, what, what I'm curious about, um, what I'm curious about, Josh, is, is how much of the book, how much of your decision around the book was form versus content? You know, is, is the accomplishment the production aspect of it um, or, is the, or the stories within, you know what I mean? Ron, that is an excellent question. Um, and as I said, my initial instinct when I looked at this was, oh, God. <laughs> and, oh, really? Yeah, no, it was. It was. I was like, okay, that's okay. I get what you're doing here. That's cute, but it's way too much. Yeah. Where's the joy? Let's forget, let's forget the book. Let's talk about you. No, no, no. But, uh, but, but as I read it, I was almost instantly sucked in, and I would finish like one of the pieces, and, and I, I'd reach for another one, and every one was as compelling as the rest. And they work together in this great way. You don't have to read them in order. It all just will fit together as you read them. And I, I thought that was really fun. In, in, in that way, it was a really big accomplishment. Um, and, and, you know, just to talk about Ware's work a little bit, um, it doesn't, it, I think to a lot of people who read sort of mainstream comics, it doesn't look like much. Um, but really what this guy does uh, is, is, is very good. And he, he does this thing with pacing where his panels will get smaller and smaller. And at certain points, sometimes it just feels like you're looking at frames of film and it slows things down. And then sometimes they're bigger, but they're all these um, sort of graphic illustrations uh, that are really uh, precise and labored over. I saw an original Chris Ware page once and I've never been able to get out of my head because it was massive. It just, it just haunts you? No, it was, it was massive. It looked like it was... Like you wake up and you're just like that fucking Chris Ware page. No, I've, I'm, I was. At, he just I keeps drawing it over and over on his I know. walls. I know. Just, I just can't get it out of my head. I was <laughs> at a, I was at a museum exhibit. It was the the Jewish museum uh, in on the Upper East Side, 
and it was a it was an exhibition of Jewish comic book artists, and there was there was two things I remember, three things I remember from that. It was a Harvey Kurtzman page uh, from the fifties War Story. There was Jack Kirby original pages which I'd never seen before, and there was this Chris Ware page that blew me away. In that everything he does, you know, when you look at the type and the script and all the design of it, if you look at the cover of this book, just look on the on ifanboy.com, like he does that all by hand. It's not digital, and it's 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 astounding. It's really amazing, and you know, like the actual the original art is is you know two three times as big as the printed version. Um, and he really he really does something um, using a, that minimalistic style. We you know like almost like with Darwin Cook, like we talked about. Like he, and sometimes he's it's one of the only people in comics I can figure out who occasionally you will lose your way in the panels, and it. I feel like it's on probably, purpose. That's probably the point, right? Yeah, no, like, it, but it doesn't read. So you read it one way, and then you'll read it another way, and you find yourself coming to the same conclusion with it. Like, he he makes he muddies it on purpose, and and almost no one can get away with that. Um, but but since a lot of these are, it's a little bit of sort of rambling of the mind, stream of consciousness stuff. Um, it works um, in that, in just sort of the way that all the books can be read in random order work. Um, I was I was really really blown away from it by it, and, and more important than that, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, do you it, do you know what page it was that you were obsessed with? No, I don't actually know. You couldn't pick it out. No. Oh man, that's gonna be haunting. Because if I, we was, wanted to start like a Kickstarter to get a tattoo on your back of this page, you would be able to point it out. You know the scary thing about that is is that if you were to start that Kickstarter. I think you would make up the money very quickly and easily. Oh yeah, totally. And oh, I'm, yeah, that's just that's just like what? That's not even two grand. Yeah. No, I know. I'm not, and I'm not going to do that. You'd have to. I mean, we use, use the overage to hire someone to hold you down. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, and and if the if all the Kickstarter people contribute, you have to do it. I mean, you can't not do Josh, it. Josh, there was a Kickstarter. I, I I didn't sign anything. I didn't well, have anything to do with the Kickstarter. Look at, you might want to look at your employment contract. No oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> or we just knock you out like B.A. Baracus. More yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would be great? What would be great is that we get a it's a back tattoo of this pa- panel that haunts him, but because it's his you back, he can never it. actually see it. <laughs> you know what that is? That's haunting. He's turning just, around, looking over his shoulder. Yeah, like he's just a, spinning in a circle like a dog chasing his tail. <laughs> I just want to see it. Oh man! So, have you ever read Chris Ware? I actually have never read Chris Ware. I've, I read uh, Jimmy Corrigan. This is on my list. I'm I'm probably gonna hold this off for for. Uh, I've seen it in the stores and it's very impressive. Yeah, it, it is. It, yeah, it really. It's is. bigger than a French bulldog. I I think you'd enjoy it, uh, Connor. I think I, you I, know, I, I think I, you'd I, both I, enjoy I have it. No doubt about it. I think yeah. you'd both enjoy it. And and you know don't don't get me wrong. The the form the the is it's impressive. It's really well done. Like it's it's incredibly thoughtful. And I think that's one of the things that's impressive about it. Um, and so, you know, if you're listening to this, I don't want that. Like, you know, think, think again. It's pretty, it's pretty sweet. All right. So if you enjoyed, uh, hearing Josh talk about building stories, go to ifanboy.com to read Josh's book of the month review. But now let's dive into email where we've only got time for one email cause we ran a little long here. But so our first email comes from Derek who says a question slash observation about lettering. What's up with letters <laughs> emphasizing words that don't seem to need any emphasis. It's something I've noticed a lot over the years. A couple of examples. In the first panel, page 17 of Batman and Robin number zero, zero, Talia says, my man bats have subdued him, emphasis placed on him. Then two panels later, he's been trained not only by me, emphasis on he's. There's no way I can read this aloud and not sound like a bad Christopher Walken impersonator. Try it. So what's up? Is this intentional? Is this the fault of the letter or the writer? Am I reading this wrong? It's a very good question. This, this is a long-standing issue in comic books. Yep, bold and italic and bold italic. Yeah, uh, uh... If you one of the main one of the things people said about Jack Kirby was after he got uh, permission to just do his own thing, 
um, at DC Comics when he created the fourth world. Those things are just random bolding everywhere yep. on words that don't make sense right. constantly. Um, and it's well, a thing. It, it, it was really interesting because this actually came up. I, I moderated a panel with Brian K. Vaughn, Grant Morrison, and Jonathan Hickman at New York Comic Con, and this then this exact question came up in the use of emphasis and letters and and you know that what they said for the most part they specify in their script what should be bolded, what should be yeah. italicized. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, it's the, yeah. That, that was it's question. coming from it's the writer. Um, very rarely coming from the letterer. The letterer is just doing what he's be, kind of being told to do. Um, but the style of which that they apply that emphasis and stuff like that is on, um, you know, is kind of up to the letterer to do to, you know, how heavy it will be and that sort of thing. Um, why? So in that particular case for Batman, Batman and Robin, I mean, clearly, you know, Grant Morrison wrote it. And so clearly he had a reason why does she wanted to make the point that he's been trained, you know, or, um, you know, or whatever other words that were emphasized. Um, I don't know. I just kind of it's the kind of thing where I, I kind of look I look past the bald knight. I don't even notice anymore, but it is it is a strange anachronism of all the anachronisms that have continued and really like, there's so many. Um it's it's one of the weirdest. I think it makes it I guess can it, work, you could have make a case for it in the sixties. Things are a bit more bombastic it, in their comics it, then, but it really can but, work if you want to think about nuance in speech though. Like it, sure, but it's 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 just I think we don't read it though. And then also I Part of me thinks that at a certain point, the writer needs to let go and give the reader read credit yeah. uh, to sort of read it how they're going to read it and then interpret that. Yeah. Um, it's not, I found that when I, my instinct is to use it when I'm writing, but I forget to do it a lot. And then I, then it only shows up occasionally because a lot of times it isn't necessary. And I, I think that going forward, you're just going to see it as a, a thing that acts as a relic. And then a lot of people are just going to, let the dialogue be if you read like a like a screenplay or something you can't do that you yeah. you have to put the line there and then the actor and the director and you know they're going to interpret it and as a reader of a comic book you're going to act as that person well, it's um, funny because there's so much talk especially amongst writers this is this this came up a lot during morrison con was that you know the, the comics allow the reader to control the experience and it's all about the reader controlling the experience unlike other medium but then this sort of flies in the face of that yeah very well, this, in a very uh, distinct way because it really stands out to some people panel pacing can do that too uh james robinson loves the bold yeah, yeah he does he yeah. does some he does some <laughs> jack kirby level stuff with that all right cool so if you have any questions about lettering or anything else like that you can email us at contact at fanboy.com or you can call our voicemail line at 188-FANBOYS it's 188-326-2697 voicemails will be back on next week's show so call them in make them good make them short 30 seconds uh let us know who you are um always good to hear from everyone in the ifan base um, if this podcast pod, podcast if this podcast. podcast wasn't enough for you, we've got other podcasts that you can listen to. Hypothetically, um, we got one called Live Fanboy Don't Miss, where we talk to a creator about books coming out uh, that you absolutely should check out. Um, we took a couple of weeks off after New York Comic Con, but we will be back next week. So stay tuned. Go to iTunes to subscribe to that, or go to ifanboy.com to find it. You can also listen to the Make Comics podcast. Um, there was one last week and it was late, but it was it's it's up there and it was actually a really good one because they usually are where I talk to Andy Schmidt of Comics Experience about some aspect of making comics. It's the one thing that I, I get the most comments on when I go to shows now. People really, you got a ton in New York. It was yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, people really like that. All those people making comics. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing them um, and try to keep them as regular as possible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I like, I like that post con tired show. Sounds like NPR. Yeah, it does. Yeah, we're very we're right with the dude right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, why did it, why did it kick our ass so much? Uh, ho- it's Halloween time, so if you are a long time 
listener or a visitor of ifanboy.com, you know that every year for the past four years we have, or five years, we have collected your Halloween costume photographs, thrown them together to a giant post and put them on display for the world to see. It's always one of our most popular articles of the year. So if you are dressing up this year for Halloween, you can send them in to us. All the information is on ifanboy.com. You can find it at the top of the website, the buzzable bar. Uh, basically, you have until the, the Wednesday after Halloween, November 7th, I believe, to email them in to contact.ifanboy.com, subject line costume, and then we will get your costumes in the giant costume roundup that takes place a few days Would later. Would you say so. it's a costume parade, Connor? It's a parade of costumes. A parade of Corn- costumes. Cornucopia? Um, man, I got to tell you, after New York Comic Con, I love costumes. <laughs> I, don't, I, just, I, just, I just can't get enough of them. I just can't, you know. Anyway. I don't think you um, do. So you can find all those podcasts and the Halloween stuff as well as Josh's Pick of the Week review and Book of the Month review as well as all the other great stuff uh, about the world of comics. All of our New York Comic Con coverage was up and you can all find it over at ifanboy.com. It's been a busy month. Um, It's been awesome to see everybody active in the comments and everything. So thank you everyone for participating over at ifanboy.com. And uh, you can follow us on twitter.com slash ifanboy or on facebook.com slash ifanboy. Um, And ifanboy video will be returning with interviews from New York Comic Con. We're pulling all together now so stay tuned to youtube.com slash ifanboy or onto ifanboy.com or to your uh, rss feeds to start getting the videos once they roll out we got some great interviews some nice nice in-depth if you like jason aaron you're gonna be happy so yeah Yeah. (laughs) i thought i missed that script bomb i thought (laughs) you did i thought i thought i took them all out i was trying to be a good guy and then and then by because of that you weren't you weren't looking out for it so note to self you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can leave a voicemail at 888fanboys which is 326-2697 for the show keep it short say your name tell me where you're from and um thank you for calling in and leaving your questions and finally, if you like the show, you can write us a review on iTunes, or better yet, you can tell your friends or your cosplay friends or your friends who hate cosplay or anyone. Cosplay. Really? Cosplay. If, you, if you've got a friend who dresses up like zombie Hitler and does the, the Nazi salute all at the Comic-Con, tell them not to do that. <laughs> and then tell them about the show. First, yeah. the, 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 the Nazi thing is more important than the show. Don't tell them not to do that. Uh, don't do it next to our booth. Uh, don't do it where I have to sit and watch you for five minutes while you do the Nazi salute for people taking photographs. That's just weird. Yeah, and then you're in that picture. Like, I'm cool with this guy. I'm not. I was not cool with it. <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, New York Comic Con. All right, we survived it. So, did we? <laughs> That's a good question. What's funny <laughs> is that I I didn't get sick, but here it is four days later. I still don't have my voice back. The recovery was just insane. What? So, I, I really think it's something to do with the end of the year and the last show. Just everybody, just it was like a release. It was just or like, the fact that it was basically the same size. San Diego, as, uh, San Diego in terms of people, but yeah, half the but in New York, which is yeah. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So that's it for this week's show. We'll see you next week. I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I had a good time at the show. I don't. I don't want to give that impression. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I had a really good time. I'm just beat to shit. <laughs> <laughs> Will later be passed The order is a rapidly fading And the first one I 